This is chapter two. Nikki P's conundrum. Listen, a lot of you motherfuckers use Cash App. Motherfucking Cash App. I don't give a fuck if you use Cash App, Venmo. That shit's the that shit's the past. You want to pay money to tr- make transactions between you and your buddy, or you got to wait days for it to go through if you don't want to pay any sort of transaction fee. Bro, fuck all that bullshit. Facebook Pay. With Facebook Pay, half you motherfuckers use Facebook to buy anyway, right? You're using your groups uh, for your little fucking razzes and raffles and shit, and also at the marketplace. Look, Facebook Pay, easy to set up, free. Uh, it's instant, right? To the account of your choice, right? So if I'm with uh, Citibank and y'all with Bank of America, we transfer money instantaneously. The best part is it's fucking free, dog. It's fucking free. Listen, fuck, fuck that nonsense. You can use your bank, your credit union, you could use fucking PayPal. Here's the fucked up part. So you and I may be online and we'll be wanting to make a transaction. It comes a thing where I want to use goods and services because I want buyer protection. But you want me to pay the fee in order to get that. Those days have been fucking over, dude. Facebook pay. If you go into a website and you can't use the app, you got to go actually into a desktop or a laptop or some shit like that. You jump in there and you make the payment setting as PayPal. You log into PayPal, you're solid. What does that do for your dog? It does this. It makes sure you can make a payment to me and you get the goods and services protection from PayPal with nobody, not fucking you and not fucking me, paying a single dime for a fee. So what are you waiting for? Drop Cash App, drop fucking Venmo, and all that other app garbage, and do the right thing and get yourself Facebook pay. Welcome to the edition of Nikki P's Conundrum, and today we have on UFC athlete Jillian the Savage Robertson. So how's it going, Jillian? I'm doing good. Uh, just getting back from the dog park, uh, ready to start training today. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, I read about that. That actually, before you actually jumped into fighting, you actually, uh, big animal lover, worked with dogs and all that. Oh, yeah. Huge animal lover. Uh, that was really my true passion before I found mixed martial arts. And I don't get to spend as much time at volunteering as I used to, but uh, my animals are still my best friends. I have my 12 year old pit bull and three cats that I love to death. And it seems like such a big leap though, right? Because here you are, you're working with dogs. Then you're like, you know what I'm going to go do? I'm going to wreck some people in a cage. Like, how did that conversion happen? Like, how'd you make that leap? I honestly have no idea. Uh, when I was 16, for some reason, I had it in my head that I wanted to try kickboxing. And it, it wasn't like, like I watched a kickboxing movie. I never knew what the UFC was. I didn't know what mixed martial arts was. I just wanted to try kickboxing for some reason. And then uh, my dad ended up finding a school in the area, and it happened to be Dean Thomas's school, and he's still my coach to this day. Yeah, he's a badass for sure. And uh, yeah, so 100%. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so tr- true, too, because I can't imagine what it's like to be a woman in the cage with you because you're the type of fighter who you try to finish a w- women from the first second to the fifth minute of the round. Like you just go at them. Like you try and crush it. And what happens is if that's not intimidating enough where you don't care about the scorecards, right? You just attack, right? You're trying to take them down immediately and ongoing throughout the entire fight. And then if that's not intimidating enough, what kills me is that I love Din Thomas because it's scary. It's like a video game because you'll just hear him going, finish her. Right? 
And it's like, I can't imagine being a fighter facing someone as fierce as you. And then I hear your coach giving, that's the, that is the advice. Finish this girl. It's, it's crazy. And no matter what Dean always tells me, he's like, we're going in there and we're trying to finish her for 15 minutes or you're going to run out of time. He's like, you're just going to be like, shit, I I was beating her ass for 15 minutes and didn't have enough time to finish her. But no matter what we're trying to for the whole 15 minutes, just domination. We're not, I don't want to go to war with anybody. I want to just put on a clinic every time I fight. Yeah. And the cardio that's involved in that though. Because even when you get into that third round, it's like the first round to you. Your cardio is amazing. Like You don't gas out. You could take a girl down just as soon as in the first second of the first round to the end of the third. Like You, you, don't, you don't die out. You just keep it going. Yeah, I, I attribute that to uh, smart decision-making. I feel like if you're making the right decisions and using correct technique, then you're never going to get tired in there. We're, like All fighters, we're used to training five, five-minute rounds every single day, every single sparring session. Then when we get in the cage and try to perform, uh, then you start getting gas. But if you're making the same decisions you're making in sparring as you are in the cage, then, uh, yeah, there's no reason to get gas out there. It's only 15 minutes. Yeah, and I think that's part of the intimidation piece, too, is because when you're in there, in that octagon, and you're fighting, you don't, you can tell, you don't care about the scorecards. You have no, you have no desire to go to decision. Like, literally, the strike count could be way out of whack, and you don't care because you're not worried about a decision. You know, Jillian Robinson isn't there to get a decision. And I think that's what happens because some fighters are okay going to decision. And it seems like you, like, no, I'm going to finish you. Like, that's what I'm here to do. Win all the rounds. I'm going to take you out. Especially with what we've been seeing lately with judges' decisions in the sport. Uh, there's been a, quite a few fights that aren't necessarily the right decisions or biased decisions that judges made. So you can't leave it up to them. You can't put it in their hands. You, if I finish a fight, I know that uh, it's going my way. I don't have to worry about anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dana White even speaks out about that. And that's so, so it's crazy to me. He's even like, yeah, I don't agree with that decision. And it, it's nuts, but I guess... Yeah, it's the nature of the beast. For some reason, judges sometimes err on the side of the champion more than they maybe should, and uh, it is crazy. When you even look at their scorecards afterwards, it's mind-blowing. And hundred percent. That's why you can't leave it to them. You can't ever leave it. Uh, that's why I'm always trying to finish fights from the first second I get in there to the last second I get in there. Even uh, in the Courtney Casey fight, I watch it back, and it was obviously, even if it did go to decision, I won it. But in the moment of the fight, I felt like I needed to finish that no matter what. Yeah, and she said she'd finish you early. And then beating her, how'd that feel? When, when you're facing a girl who like, talks shit beforehand and you took her out, how'd that feel? I actually didn't even know she said that. <laughs> oh, you didn't know she said that? Oh, yeah, there's an interview. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, she said she would actually finish you early. And then in the fight, she's like, you were like a blanket, right? You were all over her. Yeah, um... Uh, I guess even if someone does talk shit, I guess the, I, my style in general doesn't look very intimidating to a lot of people. They're like, oh, I just have to stop the takedown. And then they realize once they get on the ground with me, it's not that easy. And uh, like you said, I feel like a blanket. I'm heavy on top. And uh, you, I make sure that these girls are suffocating down there. They can't get up. And that's what makes you dangerous in this upcoming fight in the submission underground. Because they'll be taking the strikes out of it. So you take strikes out of a fight. Honestly, and, and I'm not just, you know, churching up, but when I when you see your style and you take out strikes, I don't know if there's a, a woman who's going to be able to beat you because Submission Underground is built for your style. You know, even if you go to sudden death, they're going to start you on the ground right where you want to be. 
and I think you're dangerous. Do you see this submission underground thing as being something that um, is going to become a little bit more easier, natural to you, or do you think it's about the same as the UFC? Um, it's definitely more, I guess, less nerve wracking for me to do a submission underground or a jujitsu tournament, uh, just because that is my world. Because I am so comfortable on the ground, I I definitely don't get as nervous as I do when I have to walk out to a UFC fight. When you know you're going to get punched in the face, so you know that's going to happen. You uh, definitely builds up the nerves a little bit more, but um, it it almost puts me at a disadvantage in a way competing in. I'm in the, like no gi jujitsu because I am so used to using strikes now. So my game is so predominantly MMA and these girls that I'm competing against, all they focus on is no gi jujitsu. And um, I feel like obviously they look like very similar things, MMA jujitsu and no gi jujitsu, but it's two different worlds. So the training preparation is a lot different than you would get into if you were to do a UFC fight. Oh, 100%. With uh, jiu-jitsu, you need to be a lot tighter in uh, not giving your opponent as much space. If you're trying to get off some strikes, you need to give them space to really develop power. So it's just uh, two opposite sides of the spectrum. And whose idea was it to do submission on the ground? Was it like your idea, Dan Thomas, or Dana White kind of push it? Uh, actually, it was it was my idea. I try to do as much uh, as many jiu-jitsu competitions as I can if I don't have a UFC fight coming up. And... Uh, I was, I just fought Courtney Casey and I was heading back on the flight home and uh, Jessica I and Amanda Lowen were supposed to grapple that night. So I just commented on the post. I was like, I'll take the winner of Jessica I and Amanda Lowen. And Amanda ended up winning it. And uh, then that night, uh, Chael was like, oh, and we'll have Jillian Robertson out here competing against Amanda Lowen. And that's when I realized that he saw my uh, post. He saw my comment. Yeah. So, yeah, he just announced it live before I knew it. Yeah. And you know, Amanda Lowen, here's the thing about her. She doesn't have any, like, for MMA is concerned, she doesn't have any professional fights. And I think she has, like, one amateur fight uh, that they had listed. Um do you have enough, like, to go off of? Because a lot of times you like to prepare for an opponent. But are you just basing off of the Jessica I fight, or is there other tape you may have to kind of watch and see how you're going to stylistically take her on? Uh, I guess in jiu-jitsu, I don't really study my opponents as much. I'm confident in my game and just going in and, uh, especially in a submission-only uh, kind of setup, it's just you can go in and attack and attack and attack no matter what. You don't have to worry about points or anything like that. Uh, just constantly going for the finish. So, yeah, I don't really study my jiu-jitsu opponents that much. I definitely uh, put that time into my MMA opponents, though. Well, yeah, that's obvious, see, because in the UFC, here's the crazy thing about your record and where you are in the UFC in the flyweight division. So with your eight victories, right, you have the flyweight finishes record. We're talking about you have Valentina Shevchenko as the champion in the division, and you have more finishes than her. And in every one of your fights, you're almost guaranteed, it's almost guaranteed to finish a money fight. Like, you need to watch it because this thing can be over at any moment. Uh, and how does that feel? Like, you know, just 25 years old. All right, having the flyweight finishes record with all the names in that division. Oh, that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to set records. And uh, again, I believe I have the most submissions for all females in UFC history. And I uh, I want to set that record for the males too. You know, right now I'm a long way away from it, but I'm still young, like you said. So uh, I'm at four right now. I know Charles Oliveira is at 14. So I want to break that record. That's what I'm looking for. And then I'm just going to, uh, create a legacy. Well, you certainly are. And when we talk about you being 25 years old, we look at this division and it's a lot of 
30-year-olds in the division. What I mean by that is there's only three tw- uh, anybody in their 20s in the division because uh, it's basically yourself, Barbara, and De La Rosa. Everybody else is in their 30s, and we look at this division. What people don't realize in four to five years, right, the names like Shevchenko would have turned over, right? And and you are about to be like one of the – like move right up the ladder and be like the queen of the division, if you will. And especially with as successful as you've been so far because some people may not realize um, – how badass you are because the casual fan may not catch every single event, right? So they may hear like there's a loss, but I truly believe no one's actually truly beaten you, right? You've never taken damage like a Ioana Yanjencek when she fought Zing Willie, or, you know, even when a Rosa Yunus just won her fight, they take serious damage. You haven't really taken damage. Like even the barber fight, I couldn't believe they stopped it. You are on your feet. She hasn't knocked you down. You're still moving and defending, and the referee calls it, and that pissed me off as a fan because I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, she's cognizant and on her feet. Like, she's not even going to the mat. Um, and then also in the Silva, it, it was just, a, you had that fight. You know what I'm saying? And, and if those two turn around, here we have you undefeated in the UFC and in title contention. Um, did you feel robbed at all in the barber fight? Is that even okay to ask you? Uh, I feel like she definitely did rock me, but I would have liked if the ref gave me more time. I was, uh, she, she rocked me and then rushed me against the cage. So I was taking a lot, but, uh, I was coming back. I felt like I, I just needed those couple seconds and, um, I didn't recover fast enough, I guess. Uh, I was still there a hundred percent. I feel like I just took one decent shot, but I wasn't like on spaghetti legs at any point. I wasn't. Uh, I don't feel like I got a splash, knocked out, knocked out, anything like that. I was fine to continue the fight, but obviously the ref thought I was in danger and he felt the need to stop it. Yeah, and we see that a lot too. Is uh, that even happened to Aspen Ladd, where you know she was cognizant in the Durande fight? The referees even we talk about the judges, you know, calling it wrong. There's some referees who call it early. And then you see sometimes they call it really late, and you also have to contend with that. It's almost like, as a fighter uh, or as an athlete in the UFC, you could get robbed at any moment, and that and that sucks. All the preparation you put in, and it's like, man, I didn't even go down. Now, and it's half a paycheck there too. You're you're losing your dignity from that loss. You you know you go through months of heartbreak after that, and then it's you're fighting for half your paycheck every time too. So it's a rough sport. It's unforgiving. Mm-hmm. And now, right now, so I know that you want to fight in the UFC. Like you're like, hey, I'll fight anybody. Like you'll take all comers. Anybody in the 125 division wants to take you on, you're willing to do it. Uh, is there anybody on the horizon in the UFC who may be taking the fight, or is it still pretty much up in the air right now? Uh, we're in talks with Nick every single day. We've had a couple offers that have fallen through, and uh, yeah, we're just waiting for the one that the opportunity to actually come through and uh, finally get a contract in my hand. I'm just waiting. Like you said, anybody that they put in the cage with me, I'm ready for it. You see, that, that also, you see, that's why I think fighters sometimes don't want to face someone because you see someone like you, someone who's ready to take them down right away and you're like, I'll fight anybody, right? So, you know, send them. But in the UFC, when you look at all the fighters um, in the 125 division, which is a pretty packed division, I mean, there's a lot of good fighters in the uh, UFC's 125 division. In a perfect world, is there anybody that you would like? Like, you'd be like, that would be the perfect fight for me? Uh, honestly, anybody with a number next to their name. Is, I, I know a lot of those girls are booked at the moment. Is like, I would expect them to give me someone like 10 to 15. And uh, yeah, a lot of those girls seem to have matchups at the moment or are busy with other things. So uh, 
Yeah, I would love. I just want someone with a, a number next to their name so I can take it. Well, it'd be nice if you won this, when you win the submission underground fight, and then you could fight Jessica I in the one twenty five, who's ranked number five right now, uh, for whatever reason, but she's ranked number five. And then maybe that could be your conversation starter. Like, hey, this girl beat Jess Guy. I beat her. <laughs> Line it up and uh, get you to climb those ranks a little bit quicker. Now, oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Like <laughs> I said, anybody with a number next to their name. So here's, here's the uh, interesting piece that UFC sometimes does. And I'm not saying what happened, but just saying in a perfect world. Because we saw Zhang Willie, who was actually ranked number 10 in the UFC's strawweight division. And then what happened was they were doing the event in China. And so she got, cause UFC likes to pander to the crowd. You don't put a lot of their um, native born fighters and put them all in the, uh, on the card to kind of get the crowd into it, pack the stadium, what have you. And so she got the shot against Jessica Andrade, who if she was fighting in any other city would have never gotten the fight because she was number 10 contender and she actually wins. So for you, let's say we're doing the fight in Canada right? They're doing the event and they say, we're going to throw you in there with Valentina Shevchenko. Now, knowing that you're part of American Top Team, you know, you're trained there. Amanda Nunes comes from there. She has two fights against Valentina who is otherwise decently unbeatable, right? And no, no one's really had much success other than Amanda Nunes uh, taking care of her twice. And being able to tap into that knowledge bank, uh, I don't know if it's bold to even ask or say, but if you were to fight Valentina Shevchenko, five round fight, what are the chances you think you finish her? At this moment, I like. I think it would be bold to say that I'd go in there and finish her in any round. Uh, I definitely feel like I will be ready for that opportunity when the, it comes. But as of right now, I feel like I need more fights under my belt. I need more experience to get up to that level. I have a lot of respect for Valentina. And like I said, when the time comes, I'll be ready for it. But right now, I need to work my way up there. Gotcha. Well, you, you've really come a, long, a very long way from the very beginning. And I want to ask you, like, when you reflect on how dangerous you've become, because you're very dangerous in the cage, uh, from the armbar and Whitmar, right, to, you know, when you got that rear naked choke locked in on Casey, uh, is there a fight or maybe like a moment in a fight that you consider to be like your defining moment so far in the UFC? Any um, moment that stands out to you? Uh,. I'm not sure necessarily. I guess that I haven't, maybe I haven't had that defining moment yet. And uh, I'm waiting to set it still because I feel like I'm still just working and I try to, uh, I try to have short term memory, whether it's a win or a loss, try to just move on and uh, look forward to the next fight because I'm nowhere near finished. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting too when you see you in the octagon because before and after the fight, smiles right you have a great personality you seem very easy going but as soon as that the fight starts it's like everything changes like you transform into this serious like a savage as your nickname says uh fighter and it's so interesting to see that transformation but as soon as the bell's over as soon as that round's over and the fight's done you're right back to being them big smiles again it's very interesting to see it's uh two different personalities definitely <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I like I've watched one of my old fights where I got an armbar and it's like it grosses me out to watch it sometimes. But I'm like, when I'm in there, I don't have a problem doing it. 
Yeah, or, just, or yank on that arm. Yeah, the uh, that's the thing is they're so dangerous because you can go arm bar, you can go rear naked choke. Um, are there any submissions we haven't seen from you that you think that you could like, actually take out? Like, could you do the uh, the triangle, anything like that? Uh, probably not a triangle in my near future. <laughs> I don't really got the legs for that. But um, head and arm chokes and rear naked chokes and arm bars are really my thing, especially the rear naked choke. It's like. Uh, I I got some special about that where it's just nobody knows how to defend it once I'm in deep and once I get in deep there there really is no defense it's just uh, I know where to find it and uh, I'm confident I can get a rear naked choke on any of these girls. Yeah, it's interesting you say that too because uh, sometimes you see when people go for the rear naked choke it usually starts really high on the chain and they got to work it down. It seems like when you cinch it in, it's always precise. It's always like, oh shit, she's already under the chin. Right, you always just have that like I don't know how you know like instinctively like right where to go, but I see so many fighters grab high and you never really do that. You usually just grab it right and you have it cinched in immediately. Yeah, I wait till it. Uh, it's usually too late to defend once they realize they're in the choke. So um, I feel like traditional Brazilian jiu-jitsu—they're always trying to get the hooks in, and uh, it's just the thing that like you need to finish the choke. So people get their hooks in, then they go for the choke, and that's why people end up with it on the chin or on the face because they're expecting it at that point where I'm going for the choke before I even, before I'm even on the back. So they don't expect it at that point. And uh, it's, like I said, it's too late to bend once I'm there. Yeah. So now August 30th, uh, your next fight coming up, wish you all the luck in the world. Uh, I think that everybody who follows you and knows your fighting style, that uh, this slim chance you won't walk away with an easy victory there. I mean, you're only 25 years old, like I said before. You're the next big thing. You know, I think few notice it now because some people pay attention to rankings too much. But I think in the end, we're all going to realize that when you climb those ranks and you do one day become the champion of the division. Uh, and I wanted to thank you for your time today. Did you have any um, last thoughts before I let you go, Jillian? Uh, if you just want to go ahead and follow me on, on Instagram and Twitter at savage underscore UFC and just watch me get my hand raised August 30th. Absolutely. Can't wait to see that. And that is on the uh, UFC Fight Pass. Uh, and so I wish you all the best of luck. And thank you so much for your time, Jillian. Oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. And this has been another edition of Nikki P's Conundrum.